When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast episode is coming to you following a New York Jets Christmas Eve miracle win against the Washington Commanders. It was their final home game of the season, and they pulled out a 30-28 to comeback victory. Yes, a comeback victory, even though they got off to a really hot start in this one. They found a way to squander it, but then got it back in the remaining seconds of the game to go to 6-9 and on the year. And yes, the Commanders are a bad team and the Jets are out of playoff contention, but this was a fun ride the whole way through, and I'm looking forward to talking about the whole thing. This episode is basically going to focus on that Commanders game, talking about the offense, defense, and special teams. Going to talk about what I'm looking for for the Jets for the remainder of the season is obviously we're not going to make the playoffs, but what can we look for as Jets fans with two games remaining? And then going to do a Browns Thursday night football preview. I've got a what's on tap and a father time in this one, so a lot of good stuff to get to. As always, I want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It's part of the Fans First Sports Network. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Alrighty, so let's get into this thing as the Jets win this game 30-28. to I think that when I watched this game and, and, you know, you see how it all unfolded, it kind of went back to what my dad always says for the Jets, what their goal should be in every single game, and that's start fast weather the storm, and finish strong. And that's exactly what the Jets did in this game. They started fast. Oh, yeah, they did. They went up 17-0 to in the first quarter. They got an interception from Tony Adams, a couple big runs and plays from Brees Hall. Then they had a big blocked punt by Jermaine Johnson, the first career touchdown for Jason Brownlee. So the Jets are up 17-0. Things are feeling really good. Then the Jets fumble the ball on their own 10-yard line to give the commanders some points there. After Brees scores another touchdown to go up 27-7, They got a Quincy Williams interception where you feel like, okay, this game is clearly in the Jets' hands. But then Trevor Simeon throws a red zone interception. Brissett comes in for Sam Howell, plays good, methodical quarterback, chips away at the Jets as the offense struggles. Some tough calls, bad penalties, help the commanders take a 28-27 lead with five minutes to go. The Jets punt the ball away. They use a bunch of timeouts to get the ball back with one last chance and a minute 41 seconds to go. They work their way up the field to get to the 37-yard line. And with five seconds left, Greg DeLeg bangs in a beautiful 54-yarder to win the game. It was a wild ride. Should the Jets have ever 
given up a big lead like they had? No, probably not. But to see them come back and the resiliency to actually win this game and close it out, that was great to see. The Jets rise to 6-9 and nine on the season. So last year they were 7-10. and 10. The Jets have two games remaining. It's possible at best they finish 8-9. and nine. Maybe they win one game, finish 7-10. and 10. Maybe they don't win either one. Obviously playing without Trevor Simeon or without uh, Zach Wilson again this upcoming week against the Browns. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen between the Browns and the Patriots games. But either way... As bad as the season was, it wasn't a complete meltdown. It wasn't a complete dumpster fire. It didn't feel anywhere as good as we hoped, right? There were high expectations, lofty expectations from us, from the media, from everybody. We had a couple really bad injuries, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, offensive line. But to finish here, 6-9 and nine right now, beating a commander's team like that, I'm feeling like if the Jets get a couple more pieces back next year, make a couple changes here and there, get that quarterback under center, there's definitely an opportunity for them to make the playoffs and maybe even make a run. So I'm feeling good about all that, feeling positive about the Jets overall. Woody Johnson just came out and said that Robert Sala, Nathaniel Hackett, and Joe Douglas are all safe, going to be keeping their jobs and staying. I think that when the Jets lost the lead in this one and uh, potentially lost this game, I think there may have been questions from the media if they did end up losing, maybe saying like, ooh, did you make a mistake? What's going on here? And there would have been a little bit more negativity. But seeing them fight back, and win this thing, I think just kind of puts the icing on top of it. Those guys are going to be safe, and I'm completely okay with that. I've been saying all year that I think all those guys should stay. Nathaniel Hackett, obviously, is not my favorite offensive coordinator. I don't think that he's a incredible offensive mind, but I think that he's the kind of guy that can bounce off ideas with Aaron Rodgers, and the two of them work together in their relationship of offensive coordinator and quarterback. With Nathaniel Hackett working with a Zach Wilson or with a Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon, you don't get that same effect, but when he's going to have Robert or Aaron Rodgers back next year, I think we're going to see some of that connection and chemistry between the two of them, and we're going to be happy to have Nathaniel Hackett. It's going to be an Aaron Rodgers run and led offense, but everything's going to kind of be built the way that the two of them want it. It's going to work a little bit better, so it's hard to judge him based off what we saw from the other quarterbacks. I think Nathaniel Hackett will not be the Jets' offensive coordinator for long when Aaron Rodgers is no longer with the team. I think that's pretty clear, but... For this point in time, with Rodgers coming back, I think it makes sense to retain Nathaniel Hackett. He's even one of the big reasons that Rodgers is even here. Robert Sala is a coach that I think is a fantastic leader of men. And I think that he gets painted kind of in the wrong way sometimes because of some press conferences and the things he says. But you got to remember, when a team is losing, there's really no answer that a fan wants to hear. You want to hear him say, oh my God, this team is going to hell. We can't do anything. What the hell is going on? Our players suck. I can't coach. Our coaches, they can't do that stuff. Some fans want to hear that stuff after a bad loss. They want to feel heard like, we're pissed off. We want you to be pissed off. But his job is to try to remain positive, confident, give the players in the locker room the best chance to win the next game. And I think he does that really well. I think that when we finally have some good injury luck, he's going to be a fantastic coach for us. I think that he's one of the guys out of all the coaches in the entire NFL, he's one of the guys that I would want to be our coach, even though we haven't had a winning season under him yet. I'm 100% in support of Robert Sala. And then Joe Douglas, you can look at that, and you can see all sorts of different things. You, you know, some really bad draft picks, some really good draft classes, some interesting free agent signings, and then this whole big Aaron Rodgers team bring in, which probably was led a little bit by Woody Johnson rather than Joe Douglas. Probably was like a little bit of a mandate to go out and get a guy like Rodgers. And so Joe Douglas was operating under those constraints. But I think overall, Joe Douglas has done enough to prove that he can do the job at a high level. 
every single decision is not going to be perfect. There's no GM in the league that makes a perfect decision every single time. But when Joe Douglas is on and makes those those beautiful moves, like he did in last year's draft class, that's stuff that teams just frankly don't do. There aren't draft classes like that in most franchise histories. So to see him be able to do that one time, we got to see what he's going to do this season, right? Obviously, if he has a, a bunch of bad years strung together, it's going to be like, all right, maybe he's lost a little bit of the magic. Maybe he was lucky. But he was a high elite candidate when the Jets were trying to get him from the Eagles. And I think that overall, he deserves to have more opportunities to do some of the stuff he's done, keep building on what he's built. So those guys are staying, and I'm happy about it. I do want to talk about the performances in the Commander's game. But before I do, I think it's time to take a little pit stop at the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap. And today, I am drinking a beer by Thomas Hooker Brewery, brewed here in Connecticut, Bloomfield, Connecticut. And it's called a Nor'easter, a winter-embracing brew. It's got a lot going on. I got it for the holidays to bring to Christmas. It wasn't a massive hit. Um, it's a lager, and it's got a ton of flavors and spices and, like, nutmegs and and cinnamons, maybe. And it kind of tastes like an amber ale with a lot of sugary sweetness added to it. It isn't bad because it tastes like the holidays, but I would never drink it if it wasn't around Christmas season. And I wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't called Nor'easter, which is the type of storm we used to get here in Connecticut. Seems to have been a long time since we had some beautiful snow here. But this thing is a holiday brew, and it's a nice change of pace. It's nice to drink something uh, seasonal this time of year. The character that they describe it, Thomas Hooker describes it as being warmth, spice, and everything nice. Brewed to celebrate winter in New England, Nor'easter Lager possesses a hearty malt flavor deliciously ascended by mild winter spices. I wouldn't say that the spices are, are mild. I would say it's an overpower of the beer. It's just a strong spice beer, but 6% alcohol, 16-ounce can. I got a couple more. It's good. I won't be purchasing it again until maybe next year when I forget that I even drank it and I see the can and I go, ooh, Nor'easter, that sounds interesting. But either way, it's going down smooth. I'll be drinking it for the remainder of this podcast. And that is this week's What's on Tap. So now before I go over to the Commander's review a little bit more. Let's take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Live. Let's get into that Washington Commanders review where the Jets win 30-28 to in their final home game of the season, starting with the offensive side of the ball. And the Jets put up 30 points and had some really nice offensive plays in this one. It all should be taken with a grain of salt because the Commanders are not a good defense. We came into this game knowing that it was one of the worst defenses we're going to play all year. And we had an opportunity to put some special stuff on the field. And in this game, we did. Trevor Simeon threw the ball 49 times, which is a lot, especially for a guy like Trevor Simeon. And he only finished with 217 passing yards. So not a really electric passing game, but he was efficient. Game manager took the easy yardage against a weak defense. Had that one touchdown throw to Jason Brownlee. One bad interception in the red zone that we didn't like to see. He had a fumble in this game as well at his own 10-yard line, so that kind of sucked. But when you look at what he did... I think it was really it was really attributed to what everybody else around him did. Starting with the offensive line, the offensive line in this game gave up zero sacks. Trevor Simeon is not a super mobile athletic quarterback, and the Jets' offensive line has been struggling all year long. Now again, the commanders have traded away Montez Sweat and Chase Young, two of their best pass rushers. They're obviously not 
really trying to be a strong defense or win games at this point, right? It looks like they're kind of packing it in, looking for next year, trading those guys away. But the Jets still, with the backup cast that they have, they've got Carter Warren playing and Jake Hansen. We've got a rookie, Joe Tippman, playing center. Mekhi Becton's been struggling and actually continued to struggle in this game. But to give up no sacks with Trevor Simeon under quarterback, that is a very, very good performance from the Jets' offensive line. And then when you look at the running game, 36 rushes for the Jets, 164 total rushing yards, two touchdowns. That's a 4.5 yard per carry average with 36 rushing attempts. That's really good efficiency from the Jets' offensive line as well. I do think that Mekhi Becton is trending down. And I think I said it on last week's podcast that, like, you know, if you asked me in week six or seven or eight, I would say, ooh, Mekhi Becton is working his way towards a new big contract with the Jets, potentially a franchise tag. Seeing him the last few weeks, I feel like he's getting tired. I feel like we were worried about whether or not he'd be in shape, and there's a lot of question towards his work ethic and stuff, and he tried to prove everybody wrong by going to the gym a ton in the offseason and getting back in shape, and he's stayed healthy this year, which is a huge thing for him and really important for his career. But the way that he's kind of started to tail off at the end of this year, getting a lot of penalties, looking a little bit slower and sluggish, it's uh, not going really well for him, I would imagine, in contract talks, with that being the end-of-the-year tape. But he still is an average offensive tackle, and the league is desperate for good offensive linemen, so there's a chance he has an opportunity to come back with the Jets. we just like to see a little bit more consistent play from him, I think, at this point in the year. But good overall offensive line performance from the Jets. Really pleased with what we saw. Talking about that rushing game, Brees Hall led the guys 20 carries in this game, 95 rushing yards, two touchdowns scored. Brees Hall also had 12 receptions, for 96 yards, so a total of 191 scrimmage yards on 32 total carries, or or touches rather. Brees Hall is without a doubt the offensive player of the game in this one. They gave him the ball in bulk. He had a ton of rushes. They threw him the ball 16 times. I mean, the, the game plan was clearly get those easy yardage flare passes, quick little you know, five-yard outs and cuts to the middle. Brees Hall, get the ball in your hands and do what you can. The guy was super efficient, super electric all game long. A really nice 36-yard rush to get a touchdown. Some really big receptions and plays at the very end of the game to get the Jets into field position. Brees Hall had the best game he's had in a long time. And he's had a good year all year, but he kind of like tailed off as well the last few weeks. Hasn't had a massive performance. This was one of those big-time ones where the whole league was like, holy smokes. I'm sure he won some big-time playoff matchups for teams in fantasy football on this one. So he is our offensive player of the game. You look at a guy like Izzy Abanaconda, who also had nine carries in this for 43 yards. Good to see him over four yards a carry there. And good to see him getting a little bit more acclimated with the offense and getting some carries, not making big mistakes. We haven't seen a lot of bonehead missed blocks, penalties, dropped balls, fumbles, anything like that from him. He kind of looks like a Brees Hall the way he gets outside and has acceleration and everything. I hope that he can be a little bit more physical than Brees Hall. Because as much as I love Brees Hall and everything he does for this offense, he's a little bit of a tap dancer in the backfield. Doesn't always put his shoulder into guys not great through contact, especially like in the middle of the field towards the trenches. Izzy Abadakanda hopefully can give us a little bit more power, a little bit more feist than having another sort of dancey, fast acceleration back. But either way, it's nice to see him get acclimated in the offense. We didn't see any Dalvin Cook in this game. No carries for him. Looks like his time as a Jet is coming to an end, and 
didn't really end up get going, getting going in this season. He never had a game with a bunch of carries. He never had a touchdown. He was just kind of a an overall non-factor with a bad offensive line and a bad offense overall. So the Jets' running game, obviously fantastic. We talk about the receiving game. Trevor Simeon, yeah, he threw the ball 49 times, only 217 yards, and 96 of them went to Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson somehow comes out of this game with nine receptions and 76 yards. It feels like a game you're watching where it's like, man, they are not getting Garrett Wilson involved in this game. But he always sneaks away with 70-plus yards when you hardly even remember him getting them because he catches the ball, he gets yards after catch, he finds a way to get every little extra bit, catch a ball when you don't expect it, and it all adds up. Tyler Conklin, he had four catches as well for 36 yards, and then everybody else, it was just one catch for Jason Brownlee, which was the first career touchdown for him. One little catch to Xavier Gibson. Alan Lazard, again, a no-show. And that rounds out kind of our offensive performance. It was good enough to get the job done in this game. We had a lot of opportunities early in the game because of blocked field goals and interceptions and stuff. But the Jets capitalized. They scored. They leaned on Brees Hall against a weak defense, and it worked. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line, I came into this game thinking the Jets would get a lot more pressure on Sam Howell. They ended up only sacking him one time. It was split between Jordan Whitehead and John Franklin Myers. They weren't really roughing him up too much. They had a couple other opportunities to take him down, but didn't. Then they end up benching Sam Howell. Jacoby Brissett comes in, who's a much more methodical, smart, game-managing quarterback who's not as apt to take sacks and make as many big mistakes. So the Jets didn't get any more sacks against him, but when you look at what they did against the passing game, they still only gave up 143 total passing yards. It was one touchdown, which was thrown by Jacoby Brissett. The Jets pulled away two interceptions in this game, one from Tony Adams, one from Quincy Williams. So they played the Commanders really well. I think the only thing really going for the Commanders in this game was the running game. 22 carries for 102 yards. Chris Rodriguez wasn't super familiar with him. I certainly am now because he had a nice game, some really tough runs, 10 carries for 58 yards and two touchdowns. And I think that when you look at the Jets' defense, If there's one way you can beat this team, it's by running the football. That is absolutely where we're weakest. We're missing a couple guys in our defensive line that may help in that effort. But that's our weakness overall. Try to run on this team. That's what the commanders should have been doing all game long. They relied on their quarterbacks a little bit too much. Tried to see if Sam Howell could get it going. Sam Howell was one more quarterback embarrassed by the Jets. He got benched in this game from our defense. If you played Sam Howell in the fantasy playoffs, which I hope you didn't, because why would you play any quarterback against the Jets? Sam Howell put up negative points in fantasy, and it's just another guy on the long list of quarterbacks throughout the season that the Jets have truly embarrassed. We'll see if Sam Howell even gets his job back or if this was the final benching of his career because of the Jets and what they were able to do. But this defense from the Jets is elite, and we give real problems to basically everybody that we play. Defensive line was solid. I think Jermaine Johnson was all over the field making plays. Bryce Huff had a couple really nice pass rushes, but couldn't quite get the sack down. When you move towards the defensive linebacking group, Quincy Williams was fantastic in this one. He's our defensive player of the game. He led the team in tackles, led the team in tackles for a loss, had a couple big hits, a couple pass deflections, and that big interception. Quincy Williams has been awesome all year. I mean, every single week, we're like, man, I'm so glad that we got him for the contract that we did. Three years, $18 million. Feels like a steal to have Quincy Williams here playing with his brother. He should be going to a Pro Bowl. 
he should be putting the entire league on notice that he's one of the best linebackers in the league, at least one of the most electric and fun. And the guy right next to him is fantastic too. C.J. Mosley has been having a great year, super reliable, getting tackles, taking people down, leading the defense. Can't give enough credit to what those two linebackers have done this year for us. Looking at the defensive backfield, another great game. We had the interception from Tony Adams. We had some really good play from Jordan Whitehead, especially getting that sack, making some nice blitz plays. But overall, those cornerbacks that we have have just been so good and consistent all year long. And even though there were a couple nice drives from Jacoby Brissett, when it's all said and done, and you look at what DJ Reed, Michael Carter too, Sauce Gardner, and even for a player too, Brandon Eccles, you look at what they gave up to some decent receivers in Washington. Terry McLaurin gets three catches for 50 yards. That's low for him. Jahan Dotson, two catches for 31, a non-factor. Curtis Samuel, one catch for 16 yards, a non-factor. The Jets play with wide receivers so freaking well. It's kind of mind-blowing how good they are at all sides, every single one. It's not just Sauce Gardner. It's not just DJ Reed. It's the whole collective unit. Michael Carter, too, doesn't get enough credit. And week in, week out, they give receivers fits. I'm looking forward to see them playing uh, the Browns coming up because Amari Cooper's been hot. And even though Sauce and DJ don't travel, they stay on their respective sides, you can put Amari Cooper anywhere. Put him in the slot. We don't care. I trust every single one of those guys going to war every single week. Another great performance from our defensive backfield. Overall, the Commanders did capitalize on some Jacoby Brissett drives and him just kind of moving the ball down the field and then running the football. But they also had a couple easy points that the Jets gave away. Not saying the Jets didn't get some of those as well. But we gave the Commanders some points. And 28 really isn't indicative of how the defense played. I think overall the defense played fantastic. 245 total yards given up. Really nice performance from the defense. Really nice performance from the Jets. Finding a way to get it done against a bad team, the Washington Commanders, but winning this game. 30-28. to 28. And you can't give enough credit to the special teams. Our third and final unit that deserves all sorts of praise. Because they had a blocked punt by Jermaine Johnson. They had a fumble recovery by Ashton Davis on a punt that was actually thrown up in the air by Jamison Crowder. Ashton Davis makes another big-time play. Somehow the ball always seems to find his hands. And then you've got a couple nice punts from Thomas Morstead. And our special teams player of the game, Greg the Legs Erline, who's now kicking over 96% on field goals this year, which is outrageous. And he drills a 54-yarder to win the game with five seconds left in the swirling MetLife wins. That guy is so freaking good. And it's such a nice change of pace from like after we got rid of Jason Myers we went through such a struggle of turning over kickers that couldn't make field goals or extra points and struggled week after week and now two years in the in a row with Greg the leg kicking right now the best he's ever kicked in his entire career he deserves a contract extension I hope he's back next year I hope we don't join the kicker carousel yet again keep this guy give him some money he is worth every single penny because when you need him to make a 54-yard kick, I've never been more confident lining up for a 54-yarder, to be honest. When he went up and I'm like, man, 54 yards, it's in the bag. He's making this kick, and lo and behold, there it goes. Plenty of leg, gets it inside the left upright. Jets win the game because of him, that beautiful kick. It's really nice being Trevor Simeon with a minute 41 in the game to start the 
with the ball at your own 25-yard line and say, like, we really have to get it really only like 35 yards to kick a field goal. All you have to do is dump it down a couple times. Trevor Simeon can just scramble for three yards because you know what? If you're slightly close enough, it's good enough. And that's a really nice feeling. It's the reason the Jets win this game. It's the reason they've won a lot of games. And not enough credit can be said for Greg Zerline, our special team's player of the game. So that is the offense, defense, and special teams. I do want to quickly talk about the things that I'm looking for for the remainder of the season because obviously the Jets are eliminated. I don't want to talk about draft positioning and all that stuff. I want to watch this team and evaluate and look for specific things. And obviously, the most important thing is being healthy. Staying healthy, being ready for 2024 because really bad injuries that happen right now will potentially end a player's next year season. Some injuries are a year to recover. We don't want any of those things to happen. We don't want anybody getting hurt and not being ready for even training camps. So health is the number one most important thing. But other stuff that I'm looking for in a season like this, which we've had plenty of, is looking at those young guys and getting them some more playing time, figuring out what we have in them. I'm talking about guys like Will McDonald. I'd like to see just how much flexibility we have with a guy like Bryce Huff. Can we potentially let Bryce Huff go to another team if the contract goes really, really high because we have a guy like Will McDonald? Or is Will McDonald more of a situational pass rusher who's not going to be able to play anywhere near as much as Bryce Huff doesn't have the drive? We'll have to see. But get Will McDonald on the field. I think the same with Izzy Abanaconda. We don't have Michael Carter anymore. We're not going to have Dalvin Cook. So we know we have Brees Hall, but what else? Is Izzy Abanaconda going to be running back number two? Or is he going to be, you know, a third string back or a guy fighting for a roster spot next year and we have to bring in somebody else to play running back? Are we going to have to use a draft position to take a running back? I want to see Carter Warren keep getting snaps because while I don't think that he's necessarily a long-term starter for the Jets, at least at this point in time, I want to know if he's the guy that we can rely on to be one of those first tackles off the bench when somebody goes down, if somebody goes down next year. If we can even see some defensive guys like Zaire Barnes, who we drafted this year and hasn't played much, or Jarek Bernard Converse, who really hasn't played, started this year injured. But, like, do we have anything in those two players? Are we potentially able to move on from guys like, you know, an Adrian Amos that we had, or a Jamie Sherwood, Chaz Surratt, or something, because we've got Zaire Barnes or Jarek Bernard Converse? So checking out those young guys and seeing good play from them, performance and growth, that's really important for this team. And then the last thing for me is individual stats. I've said it plenty of times in this podcast. It's important to me, team, player morale, individual performances. I want guys like Garrett Wilson to feel like he can remain a New York Jet, and even though things aren't going well right now, he still can put together a Hall of Fame resume playing with this Jets team. He doesn't have to look for other options and try to leave. So when you look at a guy like Garrett Wilson, he needs 42 yards to break 1,000. I think that's absolutely he has to break 1,000 yards. 42 yards should be very, very simple for him. And if he can do that, he should feel a little bit better about his season overall. No receiver wants to finish under 1,000 yards. It's just like a slap in the face. He also needs 12 receptions to get to 100. And I think that would be a really nice number as well. 100 receptions and 1,000 receiving yards is a very, very nice season for a wide receiver, regardless of what happened on the season, the quarterback play and all that. If he can get six receptions a game, Browns and Patriots, which won't be easy against those two defenses. 
But if he can do that, 12 receptions, 42 yards, it'll be a very nice statistical season for Garrett Wilson that should land him potentially in the Pro Bowl and keep his career, you know, moving up. You look at Brees Hall. He needs 268 rushing yards to break 1,000. That's probably not going to happen. That's 130 rushing yards per game. He doesn't really do that, and these two defenses coming up, not going to be easy. But could he get 231 scrimmage yards? That's receiving and rushing combined. I think that's possible. 115 scrimmage yards in each of the next two games, and he will top 1,500 scrimmage yards for the season. That is a very, very impressive number. That's like Brian Westbrook numbers to be a receiving and rushing back like that. There's not many guys in the league that can do both at a very high level, at a starting level, with that number of carries and touches. So to get him to 1,500, I think, would be really cool. It's also possible that he gets three more touchdowns. That would be 10 total scores for the year. He's got seven total touchdowns right now. It'd be cool to see him get to 10. That's a little bit loftier than Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson's is very, very doable. Brees Hall would have to really go off these next two weeks. I'd like to see it. I really like Tyler Conklin. I think he's had a good season. He needs 60 yards to get to 600. If he can get to 600, I think that's a really good, fair number for a tight end that's going to be one of the better tight end receiving numbers in the league. I'd also like to see him get his first touchdown on the year because as good as he's been in the red zone, he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities and he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. So if we can get him one, that would be really nice. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, Bryce Huff needs two sacks to get to 10. One per game should be doable. Joe Flacco's kind of a statue. Bailey Zappi maybe won't feel the pressure. If Bryce Huff can get those sacks, double digits for him would be really nice going into a contract year. I'm sure he'd love it. Jermaine Johnson himself, three and a half is a little bit harder to get with two games remaining, but if he does get three and a half, he'll be at double digits, 10 for the season, which I think would be a really nice stamp on what Jermaine Johnson has done because he's gotten really, really good. And he's one of the better defensive ends in this league, not just because of his pass rush, but because of his ability to play in coverage, his ability to get out wide, to set an edge, to get into the backfield. He's a guy that potentially, you look at his career moving forward, I mean, Jermaine Johnson could be moved to a linebacker-type position, obviously blitzing a lot, obviously going into a three-point stance a lot, but he's very, very flexible, and he's shown so much this year. Three and a half sacks, if he can do it and just go off these last two weeks, double-digit sacks would be a nice stamp for him. So that's what I'm looking for, staying healthy, getting the young guys playing time and progress, and then hitting some of those individual stat numbers to make these players feel really good about what they did this year even though the record wasn't where we wanted it to be. That's what I want to see. But what about my dad? What does my dad want to see for the remainder of the Jets' 2023 campaign? Let's check in on this week's Father Time, written by my dad, David Burnham. Here we go. I always want the Jets to win. It doesn't matter when, beginning, middle, or the end of the season. The offseason seems endless, so let's win. The games can still be very good, and valuable team progress can still be made perhaps by playing bench guys like Jason Brownlee, or by trying new plays or philosophies. Case in point, Brees Hall the Great, number 20. Nathaniel Hackett stretched the commanders horizontally, sideline to sideline, with quick flares, quick pitches, and screens that put Brees in space where his size and speed are very hard to defend, pitting him against corners. I liked what I saw with the addition, and I liked the outcome of the game, ending with a last-second Christmas field goal from Greg DeLeg. However, when we're out of the playoff picture, after the game, win or lose, there's always that... Oh well, because a win is always nice, and a loss moves draft order favorably, so it's palatable. 
But when the rubber hits the road, it is a win that we always want. No doubt about it. Go Jets. End scene. So, whoa. This week's father time from my dad is a lot of positivity about this team looking for wins when you got a lot of people in this fan base right now that are begging for losses because they want to draft seventh overall so they can get a different offensive tackle that they've never seen played in NFL level, hoping that that mystery player can unfold to be a franchise-altering player because the guy at seven is going to be so much better at the guy picked at 15, even though every single year it's kind of a crapshoot and the scheme makes a lot of difference and players' health and so many other things that go into it. And people are looking for draft positioning like it's so important to be a couple picks higher. But my dad and me and a lot of us Jets fans, we want to win the games. That's what we're here for. Like he said, the offseason is long. It's treacherous to try to make it through the offseason mini camps and training camps and preseasons and free agency and all that stuff. It's fun. I like hearing about it. But all you really want is to see those games, to watch that team hit the field. we got two games left. I don't want to watch the Jets lose. I want to watch them win every single time. Forget the draft positioning. Over the years, the Jets have drafted from so many different positions, basically all of them. And it's a mixed bag of what we've gotten in return. Drafting two, three, four hasn't gotten us the Hall of Famers we dreamed we were getting. Drafting 16, 17, 18, 19 has not always screwed us. We've gotten some really good players there as well. So to be thinking about, like, man, this position is so important. I get it. It puts you in a more favorable favorable position on draft day, a player that you need could be available, and thank goodness for that loss and everything. But at the end of the day, the point is to win. It's fun to win. And even though potentially a loss for the Jets would have been better for our 2024 season to help us get those couple draft positions, it was way more fun watching this game. I had a really good time winning it. I wanted to see Greg make that field goal, and I think the players are ecstatic right now. I think they're very pleased with what happened. They're feeling better about themselves, about next year, a little bit more optimism and positivity. If the Jets win these next two games, just say they beat the Browns on Thursday Night Football, a lot of fun, players play well. Then they beat the Patriots, get Bill Belichick fired, everybody's feeling really freaking good, 8-9. and nine. This team is going to be leaving the season saying to themselves, we are so freaking close. We finished 8-9, and nine, and next year, with a couple additions and healthy players back, This team is ready for the playoffs, and they're going to be feeling that way. And I want them to feel that way. I don't want them to leave feeling like, man, this sucks. What are we going to do? Should I be leaving, looking to go to another team? Better opportunities elsewhere. I want to play playoff football. I'm not going to do it here. A bunch of negativity just for a couple draft spots. No way. A win is a win. That is all we want. That's all my dad wants. There's that other nice little caveat that if they do lose, you can sit back and go, oh, well, at least we move a little bit higher. And we'll paint it that way. But right now, I want to win. My dad wants to win. So that is this week's Father Time written by my dad, David Burnham. Thank you very much, Dad. I love the positivity, and I am right there with you. As always, it's almost like I was raised by this guy. (laughs) But uh, the last order of business, just a quick Browns preview, because that's our next opportunity to win. The Browns are 10-5, and looking for a playoff spot right now. Moving through quarterbacks like crazy. Somehow they're riding a really good defense and they're able to win games. And at 10 and 5, they're coming into this game as seven and a half point favorites against the Jets. It's on Thursday night football, 8-15, playing in Cleveland. And when you look at it, it's a very interesting matchup because the Browns defense is elite. They have 
great pass rushers. Miles Garrett is one of the best in the league. They've got great defensive backs. They've got some really good linebackers. And the defense has been strong all season long. Elite across the board. One of the best defenses in the league. And they're doing it in spite of an offense that sometimes leaves a little bit on the field. The Jets are going to be playing Trevor Simeon again, as Zach Wilson is not past concussion protocol. Zach Wilson may never play another game for the Jets. That remains to be seen. But Trevor Simeon is going to be the quarterback. And of course, he was able to put up, you know, 217 passing yards on 49 attempts against the worst defense in the league in the Washington Commanders. But to go up against the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football is a totally different animal. The same easy little open passes that he was getting in this game are not going to be available the same way against the Browns. And I think it's interesting to mention that the last time Trevor Simeon played a Thursday night football game against the Browns for the Jets, Miles Garrett basically broke his leg or whatever happened and took Trevor Simeon out for the season. So a little bit of bad vibes in the air from that one. But this potentially, his redemption song, we'll see if Trevor Simeon can do enough. And Brees Hall, you know, guys like Brees and Garrett and Tyler Conklin, we really have to rely on them to get the ball down the field. Because it's going to be tough sledding. Way more difficult than it was against the Commanders. So scoring points is going to be difficult. Greg the Leg is going to have to make some bombs, probably. We may look horrible offensively in this game. I think that's definitely a reasonable scenario. But on the other side of the ball, you're talking about a Browns team that's going to be playing Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco stands in the pocket for a long time. A lot of times when he gets hit, he fumbles the ball. The Jets have an a re- relentless pass rush with a lot of good players that can filter in and out, and they're going to be going after him all day long. Joe Flacco is not going to be finding a lot of open receivers. I know that Amari Cooper is having fantastic week after fantastic week recently, but folks, these Jets cornerbacks are no joke. Amari Cooper can line up in the slot, the left side, the right side. It doesn't matter which one of these cornerbacks he goes up against. He's going to have trouble all day long, and I trust our cornerbacks 10 times out of 10. With Joe Flacco throwing, absolutely. And if he's looking to throw to Amari Cooper, he wants to force some stuff in there, we'll come up with the pick. And if he wants to wait and try to see if he can get him open, our pass rushers are going to be bearing down on them, waiting to hit him. Now, the real formula for the Browns in this game is just run the ball. Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, they've got some decent backs, a really good running team over there, and the Jets struggle the most against the run. So if you're the Browns, you look to establish this game, running the football, playing good defense, and that would be my recipe if I was them. But it doesn't always work that way. And if the Jets can put the Browns in some third and longs, they're going to have some opportunities to make some plays on defense. And I hope that defense can step up and give this offense some short fields and opportunities to get free, easy, cheap points. And maybe we can pull this thing out. The Browns are certainly a good team. They're 10-5. and I know their quarterback stinks. I know they don't have Nick Chubb. But at the end of the day, they're coming up with wins, whether they play P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Joe Flacco, they're finding ways to win games. And the Jets, we're scrappy as well, but we have been known to lay some eggs and have some really bad offensive performances. Thursday Night Football is going to be an interesting game for me. It's going to be must-watch TV because you've got so many star players on the field. I think even though the Jets are 6-9 and nine and the Browns are playing Joe Flacco and it's like, oh, potentially it wouldn't be the most interesting game in the world. But you're talking about Quincy Williams and DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner and Quinn and Williams, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. I mean, there are stars all over this field. On the Brown side, you've got some really good players as well. Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, Amari Cooper. 
this is going to be a lot of fun with a lot of good players. We'll see who comes out on top. I'm hoping the Jets win, of course. I think it's going to be tough sledding, but I think they can pull it off if they do the things that they have to do. And if they lose, and we go to 6-10, and 10, looking at the Patriots, yeah, we'll talk about our draft positioning and how it's slightly better. But let's see what we can do against the Browns. Thursday night football. Jets coming in 7.5-point underdogs. Feels a little bit, a little bit, uh, disrespectful for this team that has played very good defense all year long against a quarterback that they know very well. I'm looking forward to it. I will be back next week to break down that game, to talk about the final upcoming game against the Patriots, and then the season's basically done. So I appreciate everybody that's been listening to this podcast, tuning in every week. It uh, helps me vent. It's been a tough season, of course, and it's been nice to have an outlet to talk about what's been so frustrating. So thank you for joining me. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast if you enjoy it. Follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. I'll be back next week. Let's go Jets. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 